What is going on? Thank you guys so much for listening to Jacob at Night with me, Jacob McNamara. This is your local Boston sports show that can say and do what we want. We focus on NFL, NBA, UFC, and so much more. Tune in for fantasy tips, betting advice, egregious takes, and some real nerdy shit. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first school. Um, no, ma'am. I don't think so. I have to say that's Jacob Dittner. Jacob. Moron. Jacob. Mike the Murray. Thanks for watching. Awesome. So... We have a ton to get into. We obviously missed our week so lead into week six episode, so this is our week lead into week seven episode. Um, we'll we'll start off with uh, in my opinion, the biggest sports news since our last episode, which is Charles Oliveras pulled out of UFC two ninety four. He had a terrible cut that came in sparring right before he left on his plane to Abu Dhabi. Um, it was an extremely horrible turn of events, obviously, but Volkazin, um, Volkanovsky will be rematching Islam Makhachev at UFC 294 in Islam's territory. Uh, he'll be getting, Islam will be able to um, get his rehydration that he was looking for from the last fight and be able to perform to the best of his capabilities um recently before right before that uh or right after that costa revealed uh a staph infection from bursitis um and he had to have surgery that put the fight in jeopardy uh according to sources he released, or according to sources, he actually released a photo on IG of his massive lump and a caption that read about his push to fight regardless, but later reports came out regarding a potential pullout, and then that was followed up by an announcement that Islam, or Hamzat Makhachev would be fighting Kamaru Usman in Abu Dhabi rather than uh, Paulo Costa, which is an absurding, upsetting turn of events, but this can be a very interesting and awesome matchup, honestly, if Usman is physically prepared to take this on such short notice. I think it's technically about 12 days or 13 or two, three weeks notice, so not a lot of time, but if he's, you know, in shape, which he seems to be the type of person who usually is, should be a good matchup. Uh... And then finally, uh, in recent UFC news, Bobby Green sleeps Grant Dawson with a jab and an upset victory at the last fight night, I think, the last fight night. Um, no, not now. We had Yusuf versus Edson Barboza, where Edson Barboza landed that awesome round. I don't know exactly what the kick was, but it was so nice, and it knocked Yusuf down. Um, so then in our, 
next topic we have the NBA with our NBA season counter um so we have the preseason in full throttle right now and that just means that we are very close to being in the NBA season and I was looking for a noise to say it for me but we don't have anything so eight days left um we got eight days until the NBA season starts so it's gonna be exciting to see the um the face of the Celtics without Marcus Smart or Grant Williams or a lot of the other people we were so deeply familiar with and fans of Then, in NFL news, or Patriots news, um, the Saints walked all over the Patriots in a shutout two weeks ago, or two football weeks ago, um, 34-0 with Derek Carr at the helm, committing over 12 penalties, the New Orleans Saints were still able to come out strong and maintain the shutout with an impressive, impressive defensive performance. That was then followed up by Brian Hoyer closing out the Patriots 21-17 in a loss that featured ex-Patriots Josh McDaniels, Brian Hoyer, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Myers, and Adam Butler all having pretty significant impacts on the game while Mac Jones threw for 200 yards and an interception and Zeke and Stevenson both found the end zone ending our 12th quarter streak with no touchdowns. Um, yeah, pretty tough couple of weeks since we last talked about the Patriots. And then in injury updates, we have Justin Jefferson has been placed in the IR. Cardinals running back James Conner has been placed on the IR. Anthony Richardson of the Colts and Div Davon Arcane, I don't know how to pronounce his name, I probably should have read about that, um, but both players have been placed on the IR, well, Garoppolo, Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence and DK Metcalf are all questionable, um, Debo's probably going to be out with the shoulder injury, Ryan Tannehill is out with an ankle injury. Tight end Henry Hunter of the Pat Patriots is out with an ankle injury too. Uh, Damian Harris left in an ambulance after an intense neck injury. Praying for him and his family right now. Um, definitely a tough one at that Bills game yesterday. And Montgomery of the Lions is likely out with a rib injury. So. NFL. Week 6 recap.
Commanders win under another good performance by C.J. Stroud, 24-16 versus Atlanta. Chiefs maintain against the Broncos, 17-9. Dolphins bulldoze the Panthers. Texans beat the Saints, 2013. And the Vikings have a return to the dub category, 19-13 over the Bears. Rams beat down the Cardinals, 26-9. And the Bills get lucky in a close 14-9 win over the Giants. The Eagles and the Niners lose their perfect zeros. Browns 19, Niners 17, and Jets 20, Eagles 14. Lions pull off another good win, 20-6 versus Mayfield and the Bucks. Raiders get back to the win column, 21-17 versus our Patriots. Ravens continue to rule their division with the win over the Titans, 24-16. The Bengals try to recover the season, 17-13. With a 17-13 win over the Hawks. And finally the Jags walked all over the Colts 37-20 before losing Trevor Lawrence in the third or fourth quarter. I don't know. But that was our week six in sports minus the game that is going on tonight with the Cowboys and the Chargers. Thank you guys so much for listening to Jacob. Mm-mm-mm. At night. At night. Twice. So, <clears throat> let's get right into it. Wow. We did not think it could possibly get that bad with the Patriots. This is by far the lowest the Patriots have fallen since the century started, in my opinion. I hope this is the bottom of the descent, because this team is possibly the runner-up for the worst team in the league right now. And we honestly don't, or we, not honestly, but we don't even have the first or second pick in the draft secured. So we're kind of out of the running first, second, or third right now, technically, because of how it's shaped out. Of course, this will change as the season goes on. But we potentially are out of the running for the first for the quarterbacks, Drake May or uh, Caleb Williams, which leaves us in a little bit of a different and tougher situation looking for somebody. Um, I think it's Marvin Williams, which is the running a court running back, a wide receiver that would really um, be the the next big like skilled position help, and then outside of that, it's tackles. You know, um, big tackle help. Do not no defense, no line, nothing. Of course, nothing like that. I just saw a funny meme uh, on the on the Patriots Reddit about Devonte Parker dropping the football because uh, he wanted to play for with um, Caleb Williams, and then Bill Belichick drafts a defensive end in the first. First, with the first pick in the draft, but um, you know, I I just I think that uh, outside of all that, they are they're averaging under seven points per game over the last three. From what I saw, I don't know if that was before the, this week or after. I do believe it was after though, um, or including this past loss to the to the Raiders, um, and that's just that's unacceptable. I don't think many modern offenses can claim to have something as atrocious as that in their in their recent memory you know I, I I don't believe that that's something that Bill Belichick or Bill O'Brien should be at all 
proud of and honestly will probably be something that's held against them for years is the performance of this team right now. Um, Bill B. Bill Belichick is officially heading one of the worst offenses, not just in the league right now, but per seemingly any point in the modern NFL, um, or at least the last few years. Uh, the Patriots are averaging a sad 12 points per game and managed to regress since last year's offense. Of course, this is not entirely Bill Belichick's fault, though. I think it's important to point out the fact that, you know, this roster has failed atrociously compared to what we did last year even under Matt Patricia and Joe Judge's offense so you know we can't just be blamed on Bill Belichick but at the end of the day the the roster the staff all of it maybe you want to take away the offense and say oh Matt Rowe has a large portion or large say in what happens I don't care the final say is always on Bill Belichick because he's as he's the general manager and even further than that, I just find it hard to believe that many people are running the same type of offense that Bill Belichick has been looking to run for years. I mean, who would build an offense like that? And if they do, then they have to leave with Bill Belichick too. I mean, it, 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 Bill Belichick pushed Tom Brady out and didn't bring in a replacement for him. I mean, you if you want to say that, you know, this past year or last year too, he didn't have control, that's fine. But he brought the team to the point where he couldn't have control of his own offense anymore. And that in itself is a large reason of why he should be fired. And then the person who takes the offense, probably appointed by, let's say, Robert Kraft, is not able to fix the problem and contribute to it more. It's another thing that maybe Bill Belichick could get some kind of out for. But if you really want to take a further look at it, it's like... The defense isn't holding up its side of the bargain this year. I genuinely believe that if you look at these past few games, even bad teams have defenses that can perform throughout the year, but this team is fully given up. We're committing penalties. We are bad on special teams. We don't seem to be passionate in terms of our players we have people who don't take accountability after games they don't care about the team they don't care about the money that the team is paying them there there's no control and those are the things that bill Belichick has commonly been known for being the greatest at controlling you know so if he's not controlling things that he's been good at for years then what is he doing with the things that he's been bad at for years and that's that's a big issue to me I um I do believe to lose in a shutout there cannot be great coaching on a team. Bill is clearly not the top coach in the league anymore, not a top coach in the league anymore, and he makes the coaches he makes the mistakes that other teams used to, that we used to make fun of other teams for making. Highly penalized, rushed, rushed offenses, um, only one dimensional, no ability to play both sides of the ball, 
things that just are clearly not running your offense or running your team, not how the NFL is currently running it is a Patriots thing, but it's usually you're one step ahead, not two steps behind. And I think that that's the biggest issue is these are all things that we used to make fun of teams for being. But now Bill's special team sucks. It's had major issues for years. It's not just this year. He overvalues them and is supposed to be a great special teams coach, but consistently overdrafts these special teams players, overpays special teams players, you know, consistently ranks among some of the highest paid special teams whether it's kicker or other positions in that area, you know, he ranks the highest in those positions in terms of paying them, but doesn't seem to pay a skilled positions or really anybody else. Um, then his defense has not been able to keep the pants up. Offense hurts the defense more, but at the end of the day, the defense is supposed to be the, the saving grace of this team, and they have been pantsed by every team that they've played for multiple games other than Jabril, Jabril Pepper's big hit in uh, interception in the last game it's been hard to see many positives even from them and honestly there were a lot of fuck-ups yesterday by that defense or yeah yesterday by that defense and it's hard to say that I'm confident in them going forward against these two teams that we're facing in the next two weeks and the Dolphins and the Jet and the Dolphins and the Bills it's going to be a tough matchup and definitely tougher than what we've seen in these past two weeks where we got destroyed. So, not destroyed by the Raiders necessarily, but still not able to really put up anything against them and not able to stop them necessarily, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo was in and marching down the field. So, Bill's left with the fact that he has a roster that's not going to come back and fix any of the large problems that are here. He has an offense that has nothing. That is one of the worst in the league. He has a defense that's not a saving grace anymore. He has a position where he controls all aspects of the team. And all aspects of the team are failing. I just, I don't see how after three weeks of very, very, very disappointing losses, moral losses on top of the actual losses, that what he's offering at coach makes what he's offering at GM, or what he's offering at GM and his coaching, or what he's offering at GM makes his, I'm sorry, just totally messed that up, what he's offering as a coach just doesn't make his horrible GM management worth it anymore. I mean, he's incredibly suspect when it comes to coaching over the past three weeks. And honestly, at this point, it's years, you know, it's years. If you want to say that this is a trend now and not just a, an anomaly in the Bill Belichick experience, then it's been years that this is happening. It, it, it's just outright bad. You know, his coaching is bad. And going into this season, there were a lot of Patriots fans that still had the faith in Bill that he was still a good coach and everything, and that's why it was worth keeping him. But they said that they were very close to feeling that Bill should be fired. I hear a lot of justification still, but I do see a lot of people 
finally running out of room to justify. I mean, I think most people don't feel as though um, firing midseason is a good idea. The organization has to keep some essence of loyalty to players, loyalty to people in the organization. Um, after cutting out Tom Brady, I think that that's always been, always going to be something that lives with the organization. So I do think they want to and have to go about this properly if they want to have good free agents or trust, trust from free agents in the future. In the future. Um, but at the end of the day, it is something that does have to happen regardless of Bill Belichick's past with the Patriots. Um, He has to be on after this year. No more chasing Shula's record. You can't even manage to score. It just it has to happen. It was. It, this is an embarrassing season. And I think that regardless of everything that I mentioned, it's just it's time. Um, I actually wanted to go into some statistics regarding the Patriots season. I want to see if I can possibly even find some more right now. But let's go into it real quick. Um, in six games, the Patriots have been outscored 152 to 72, or an 80-point differential. Put up a single QB rating above 62, which was in the Raiders game yesterday, with Mac Jones had a QB rating of 75, I believe, somewhere around there. They've scored seven touchdowns, and in the past three weeks, they've scored three led the league on drives that end without points, only led against the Jets this whole season, fallen out of the top defense, top 10 defenses in fantasy. Sorry to bring up fantasy, but I do feel like that's a major thing that Bill Belichick has led in for all this time, is always being such a consistent defense, such a consistent force, and shutting down your best player, all those things. It just doesn't feel like that's the nature of what it is anymore. Um... We are currently slated for a top five pick in the draft, meaning, of course, we're one of the top five worst teams in the league and have failed to put up greater than 20 points this season, still to this day. Um, and finally, we turn over. We make turnovers. Uh, we ranked 32nd in turnover differential, actually. Uh, we have three takeaways and three er, three eleven. We have three takeaways and 11 turnovers, meaning not only do we make turnovers, but we don't get them. We are, Our defense isn't getting turnovers. We aren't receiving them. So that's a massive issue that we are just not doing what has to be done on both sides of the ball. And because of that, it's hard to believe that we can score or keep teams from scoring on us. So, in other words, they kind of suck. They're just not the team that we, we grew up watching, and they're definitely not
I mean, you know, I, I don't have the time to keep going in terms of my statistics of how bad the Patriots offense is. Alright, the Patriots team is. Outside of the Patriots, you know, there is a lot going on. Um, the AFC East is, seems to be open for the Finns to take advantage of it. I'm um, not saying that they're going to win. I'm not saying that this is their year 100%. But what I am saying is that it's a very interesting landscape for the Dolphins and the Bills right now. Where the F Bills are obviously key... Uh, you know, they're not the same that they were at different points this season earlier on. Um, they've already started to kilter a little bit. So if we take a look at the Dolphins, who consistently have performed except for against the Bills, if they can if they can pull that next victory out against the Bills, then I see them being top of the division. Now that assumes that the, the Bills don't get back on track, which I can 100% see, especially this week performing against the Patriots and their somewhat lackluster defense and definitely just abysmal offense, it's the perfect time for them to take a step up. But um, the Dolphins look great. I don't know how else to say it. They look good on both sides of the ball, specifically offense. Um, I mean, they put up 42 points, an impressive performance by Tua and Tyreek, and I just don't see them stopping going forward. They're still good. Um, then, in other news, the Bengals and the Browns are gaining ground in their respective divisions. Our respective division. Um, they're making it a bit more of a toss-up who will come out of it. Likely the Browns will suffer as the season goes on, in my opinion, though. Relying on either a wishy-washy Deshaun Watson for this year or a backup QB will be tough to kind of keep winning on. Um, but there is no good answer right now. And the Bengals are still hoping Burrow is able to fully heal if he is. I could see them and the Ravens going at it for... Um, dominance in that division and you know that'll be interesting as the season wraps up it'll give them more of a reason to try and make it a much much more interesting division as it the, the year wraps up really um, And then in an insane turn of events, the Niners and the Eagles lost their respective undefeated records, leaving the entire league with an, at least one loss. Brock Purdy looked like an entirely different QB than the one we've seen up until now. Um, essentially, without Christian McCaffrey or Debo, the team was forced to rely on its tier two weapons, and the quality of the product took a hit. They have some of the best weapons on both sides of the ball. Their receivers, their running backs, their everything are good. So without that, Brock looks more normal. He looks more like a QB that you'd find on any other team because he just doesn't have 
the weapons that he did, you know, and some of the best in the league, he's freaking loaded. So I just, I can see why, you know, it's a little bit worrisome for the team that without those weapons, he starts to not look like the, the QB that has performed up until now. Um, and then the Eagles saw their chance of winning die with Jalen Hurst throwing an interception or incompletion, I can't remember which, that sealed the game. Jalen Hurts and the entire team struggled to get the offense going against a really good Jets defensive performance. And they were able, the Jets were able to secure the victory. It was a close game. Uh, Zach Wilson did what he had to do and didn't fuck up when he usually does. And the Jets did what did what nobody thought they would. They pulled out a victory and pulled the zero off of the Eagles, um, you know, early on in the season and keep their season alive, honestly, for a wild card and more. Um... Bengals and Jets currently sit at the same record. So, definitely a possibility. Um, and then the Seahawks and Geno Smith, Geno Smith, <laughs> Geno Smith, have seemed to seem to have began his descent back to earth after winning Comeback Player of the Year last season and making a case for being a top five QB. The team has been struggling for a few games now, and at the center of it seems to be Geno Smith and his decision making. Now, obviously, he's raised the talent of his weapons around him, and maybe he's just not able to do that. That's much as he was before. I don't know why. He's taking a step back physically. He's hurt. People are hurt around him. But that's what's happening. And it's hard not to feel that that could be a, a sign of impending doom for this Seahawks team that was seemingly overperforming last year and this year. So uh, let's see what happens in the coming weeks with that team that has a lot of talent. So, let's do our through the wire segment. Um, this will be teams that are, I'm sorry. It's a fantasy segment where anybody who is rostered in 50% or less of ESPN leagues, we are going to take a look at and give you three or four of the best players of the week for or of the coming week. <clears throat> so we're going to hop right into Kareem Hunt. Just of a, over a quarter rostered right now. Um, he's slowed down in recent years behind uh, Nick Chubb. Obviously, Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league when he's not injured. Uh, so Kareem Hunt has had to take a step back in terms of his role. But with this injury, and the injury to Deshaun Watson specifically last week, he was able to take a massive step up in terms of his uh, the, his workload. And he was able to make use of it. Um, in deep leagues, uh, if Watson's out especially, he's a good person to use as a flex or a running back if you don't have anybody. Um, but definitely look for that Watson status out. Chubb is out for the year, so you don't got to worry about that. But Watson does take a lot of the running work and other other work off of uh, Kareem Hunt when he's in there. Then we have Chubba Hubbard. 
Uh, hovering just under the threshold of 50%. He's a backup spot behind Miles Sanders, but after an impressive performance and lackluster year from Miles, he's looking to take the starting role. Um, the Panthers have nothing to lose, so look for an increased upside on a decent player already. Then to finish it off, Joshua Palmer is another one just below 50% right now. Um, but with the injury of Mike Williams and a good Chargers offense, uh, I see a lot of upside from the Chargers wide receiver. Um, Justin Herbert gives a big target share to anybody who can catch the ball, so definitely look for him to take advantage of the increased, increased workload. Um, then our next dog fantasy segment is the Dogs and Howls of Week 7. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, we didn't do an episode last week, so we're just going to skip recapping last week's. Um, but we say it every week, seemingly, but we say it every week, seemingly, but this Dolphins wide receiver core is looking to pull in big numbers this week. This will be one of the Dolphins hardest tests to date, but the Eagles have allowed big games against their secondary multiple times this season. And this Dolphins team is the scariest matchup for the depleted secondary. For de depleted cornerbacks and everybody. Uh, the Eagles will look, will look for big passing plays and relief from the running game. Uh, the Dolphins will look for big passing plays and relief from the running game for short first downs and touchdowns based off perfect pass performances. So essentially look for the running game to have, a, have less big breakout runs the the Eagles defensive line is very good but do look for a lot of passing a lot of big plays in that category uh, running backs will mostly be there as goal line pushing it over the goal line type pushing over first down type uh, performance um, Browns defense versus the Colts without ranch without Anthony Richardson this Colts offense has become a one-trick pony uh, they have a great running game and no passing relief. There will be nothing hiding the game plan of the Colts in any of their matchups without Richardson. Look for the Browns' defense to attack the run line heavily to prevent runs and put pressure on the QB. Um, yeah, they have a good path to winning, and I think that the Browns' defense is decent enough to take on the Colts and kind of shove them down without Anthony Richardson, at least. Um... And then somebody we talked about being on the downturn, but Juno Smith. Uh, he has a. He's facing the Cardinals this week, and every QB minus Dak Prescott has been able to put up a pretty massive performance. And Dak obviously had a. Everybody had a down game against the Cardinals when the Cowboys played them. It was a bad week for them. But after struggling a bit this season. Um, look for Gino to have a big bounce back game against the Cardinals and their bottom of the league defense. He has a lot of weapons he can uh, utilize and they'll be looking to get a big lead quick um, and, you know, hold it, which they can and ha can and shown they have done. Uh, then finally, for dogs of week seven, CJ Stroud. After a good performance against another beatable team, Stroud has shown that when playing similarly matched talent, he can be one of the difference makers on his team. This Giants defense has a ha, this Giants defense had a decent performance against the Bills, but has been awful for most of the year. 
and the Bills also seem to be in a bit of a slump, so it gives me a little bit more hope that they aren't going to be some huge performers against the Commanders. Look for Stroud to light up this defense quickly in order to break away and get an early lead, and he has the ability to do it. And honestly, he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the league up until this point and could be going forward. And then, we got the Hogs of Week 7. The Bears offense will struggle to get moving without Justin Fields. I'm telling you right now, this team is going to be different. Fields is an issue, but he's begun to sh put together an impressive campaign that uh, had a few decent performances over the past couple of weeks. After going out with a thumb, in thumb injury, I think the team will struggle to get the offense moving, and any skilled talent will suffer for sure. Um, don't utilize their players, and even though I know you probably don't, it's going to be bad. The Patriots defense will be playing the Bills after a few big losses. Um, they likely see the Patriots as a bottom of the pack team with a defense that is not as good as it commonly is known for being. Look for Josh Diggs on the entire Bills offense to use this game as a chance to bounce back to their top form um, that they were playing at before their Jaguars in game in London. Finally, week seven, doll, Hulk, I'm sorry, is Desmond Ritter. After having some impressive performances, he's failed to look the same the past couple of weeks, and this Bucks defense is legit and will make it hard for the Atlanta offense to get in rhythm. Uh, the Bucks have performed above the competition that they were favored in and below the people that they were dogs to, but expect a similar campaign to the last few weeks for Desmond So now we're going to do our bets for week seven. So this is our get lucky segment. Um, we have our bets from last week, which aren't all um, done yet, actually. But let's check the game right now. Uh, it's currently 7-7. Chargers have the ball. Second quarter with 11.50 left. Um, we have the Cowboys at minus 2 on the spread. Um, then we had the we had the Jets at plus 7. Um, obviously they beat the Eagles so we won uh, we had the Bears at plus 120 um, I'm sorry yeah we had the the Bears money line at plus 120 and the commanders money line at plus 124 um, Bears obviously lost and the Commanders won. So, so far we went two and three for our bets and have our fourth one going in right now. Um, so, that's two weeks in a row. We gone through two or three, or we had a 75% hit. So, not too bad. Um, let's take a look. 
what we got for this week. Um, we have the Jaguars and the Saints. Now, obviously, this week I'm not able to, I didn't do as much research into it um, as I usually do, but I think if we take a look at it, that's actually a good one to start with. I think that even just whether it's the um, the spread or the line, I think that both teams have kind of struggled over the past few weeks, but oh yeah, the Trevor Lawrence is out. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I honestly think the Saints might even be a... Oh, but then they lost to the Texans. It's like, God. Yeah, that's a tough one. Never mind. Don't, don't ask me about that. Um, so then, I honestly look at the Bucks-Falcons um, spread, and that minus two and a half is looking kind of handsome to me. So I'm thinking I'm going to add that, and that'll be my first pick of the night. And then let's check Deshaun Watson's status. Well, Deshaun Watson's looking uncertain, but is unsure if Deshaun Watson is 100% going to return. He's day to day. We'll likely know more as the week goes on. That's what the headlines are all saying. But either way, I think that that Browns team is looking decent without him. They obviously were able to perform against a much better 49ers team, but that 49ers team was depleted, so it's a little bit tough. Um, ah, never mind. I read that wrong. I think that the next one that I'm interested in is um, the Dolphins versus Eagles. I have, after looking at that matchup, I do think that's going to be a high-flying game. Um, for the, At least for the Dolphins, I do see a big performance. Um, I think I'm going to take... 
the Dolphins money line, honestly, because I do see them winning that game. Um, I have a big feeling that the defense of the Eagles is in trouble. They're not as good as maybe they were last year. And if that offensive line for Jalen Hurts starts to fall apart, I wonder what type of quarterback he looks like. And um, honestly, they just they didn't impress me last week. They haven't impressed me all year. And the Dolphins are t- currently the team that I look at and am probably the most afraid of when it comes to offense, which is something that was representative of some of the best teams last year. So I think I'm going to hope I get lucky. What the heck? Okay. So, we got two in. Then we got the... Niners and Vikings, but without Justin Jefferson, I don't really feel comfortable about that one. Um, Let's see. What about the Patriots and the Bills? We didn't really check that. So the line has now moved to plus nine for the Patriots, or the spread, I mean. Um, And the over-under is at 41 and a half. So, I mean, if the Patriots can score 14, and the Bills can score 26, that's tough right now, that defense. Well... I think that spread is honestly wide enough for me to trust the Patriots to perform against a team that they obviously is in their division, that they have that kind of beef with. I can see them kind of coming through. So I'm going to put the spread plus nine Patriots. And then finally, I think that honestly could be it though. Um, I mean, without with some of these big injuries, I just don't feel the same type of confidence. I could go minus two for Commanders over Giants, but I'm just not confident in that game. Um, I feel like the Giants are so close to being somewhat performers, but I have no idea. Um, and it looks like Las Vegas agrees with me on, on a couple of these, to be honest. So I'm going to put in my bets for this week. Um, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at minus 2.5 from the spread. The Patriots at plus 9 on the spread. And the Dolphins money line. Perfect. Alright, so that should be our... Get lucky segment. Woo. So, <clears throat> that was a lot, a good amount of. NFL talk and I understand that that could be a little overwhelming so we're gonna finish the show off with some good old-fashioned UFC talk <laughs> 
what we know and love. Um, so I want to get into UFC 294 talk. I obviously am the most excited about that right now. A lot of big stuff going on. A lot of big news going on. Interviews, fight, fight week talk. Uh, Weigh in soon. So big, big things. Um, but. Of course, for everybody, scared of this fight, except for Hamzat, because I'm not a fan of Hamzat, to be honest. But, for everybody, I'm scared of this fight. Uh, first, there's been tons of preparation for the careless stand-up and ground game of Charlos on in terms of uh, Islam has been training, has been in training camp, getting ready for um, kind of a sloppy, powerful striker that relies on jujitsu to back up his sloppy striking. I think that Alexander Volkanovsky obviously offers a more anti-Brazilian jujitsu wrestling type of ground game with a refined boxing style of fighting on the ground on the stand-up. To me, that's a, a completely different style of training camp that you should be going through and practicing for one that I think that Islam did for their first fight so um I guess I'm just a little bit worried for Islam in terms of that but outside of that I do think um Islam will have more knowledge of the anti-BJJJ BJJ game plan than he did in terms of that first fight that they were able to craft together for Alexander Volkanovsky I think he's felt Volkanovski strikes um, and seen his otherworldly cardio there's no more surprises and there's no more underestimating Volkanovski which I think he kind of did in that first fight. The 36 year old Australian is nearing the time that father that uh, father time is nearing the point where father time usually starts to kick in and most featherweights do experience big drop offs any lighter weight experience bigger drop offs than the larger larger weights do at this age so this means he's more likely to experience injuries lose some of the speed that he relies on very heavily he can also be highly active which keeps he's also been highly active which takes a lot of wear and tear on the body in this sport um he's lucky that damage that people do usually take when they're as active as him he just has not throughout his fights a lot of his damage has been um, you know, in specific situations, one-off events, not just beating over beating. Um, but Volk did not do enough, really, in my mind, to show that he can grapple Islam. He, he did a lot when Islam was physically and mentally drained at the end of the fight. But when Islam was in his full potential, I do believe that he was he was able to control Volkanovski and do what he wanted without getting the full submission. I, I think Islam has worked his striking, which is already pretty underestimated, uh, and refined it for fighters like Justin, Dustin, Alex, and Charles. He's he's always looking to fight these guys as his next come up runner-ups, and you know that's why he's been working towards those striking, and that's what Alexander Volkanovski strives for, thrives at. You know, expect a better performance out of Islam all around, in my opinion. That's why I'm worried about Volk. Uh, you know, both fighters, I, I'm very much a fan of, honestly. And I just worry that, you know, both of them are taking a very risky fight and will have a lot to put on the line after this. Um, 
you know, with Volkanovsky having to go back down and defend his belt against Ilya after this happens, it could be uh, a weird downfall for Volkanovsky if he loses three fights in a row, especially losing the featherweight belt. Uh, when it comes to the Costa replacement fights for Hamzat, we had actually gone through this. Um, they listed a bunch of potential matchups, but none of them were Usman. Uh, but Usman was able to do it. Uh, he was able. Yeah, Usman took the fight against the the Wolf in in an incredibly interesting matchup. We're gonna get to see one of the greats of uh, our welterweight division take on one of the greats of or one of the up upcoming uh, people in the middleweight Walter slash welterweight division. Um, we heard Dana say that whoever wins this is guaranteed a title shot at Sean Strickland next. So obviously we are looking towards one of the most interesting matchups after that, with whether it's Hamza or Usman. Um, I think that Usman's obviously wanted to make that jump for a long time, and I think both of them see Sean Strickland as the perfect opportunity to take advantage of somebody who is maybe not the best caliber of champion that that division has ever seen. So, you know, that's going to be something that we obviously have to pay huge attention to. And just getting Hamzat back out there is awesome. Getting uh, Usman back out there against somebody other than Leon Edwards is going to be fucking sick. We've obviously missed him and missed seeing him out there against some fucking... Against people that, you know, he can kind of go against and have a different kind of fight. So, you know... Leon Edwards is at the top of the division right now. This is a different kind of fight. Hopefully we see a different kind of Usman. And, you know, I, I personally am hoping Usman pulls out the victory and can do something with the middleweight division. That'd be an awesome fucking end to a great story for a great fighter that I got to pay attention to and helped get me into the UFC. But... That fight, that card is going to be sick. Um, let me see. We got some more big ones on that card. Obviously, we have Johnny Walker versus Magomed Ankalaev. I think that that's a matchup for who's going to be next at the title shot for the light heavyweight. Um, obviously, Magomed had a great performance against um, Jiri. And this is his comeback performance. He's going to be going up against Johnny Walker, who's... So up and down, has knockout potential, has a lot of potential, but definitely has holes in his game that Magomed's going to be the one to show it if they're there. And I'm incredibly interested in seeing them exposed, if they can be, you know? And honestly, seeing him potentially get that, um, get that win. Because uh, if he does, it'll probably be by something fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, then we have some other awesome fights coming up with some big potential names. Um, you got Mohamed Mokayev, uh, undefeated uh, fighter coming out and fighting in front of his home area, I think. And I hear he's uh, making his debut, I think. And then in the we have said Nurmagomedov coming back and making a performance. Um, should be a really good fight. He's a great fighter. And then finally, Ikram Alexarov. Scary looking dude. I always see his picture. Um, fourteen and one, uh, performing in the Middle East. So, you know, a lot of awesome potential matchups. Um, and then that leads up to what will be UFC two ninety five, which is already shaping up to be a great card. You got Matt Frivola versus Benoit Saint Denis. 
Um, you got Diego Lopez, who had made a name for himself in his last fight with his beautiful Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, facing off against Pat Sabatini, a very aggressive uh, wrestler and striker. Then in the two in the main event and co-main event, we have John Jones versus Steve Miocic, probably a retirement fight for both fighters, but one where we're going to get to see two greats of the UFC's past uh, decade uh, go against each other. Then Alex Pereira and Jiri Prochi, whatever, are making the co-main event a very awesome one. Um, it's going to be a lot of sparks. No no ground game. Don't worry. It's not going to be like how Alex Pereira versus uh, um, Jiri went. Jiri. Uh, I keep saying Jiri. Um, oh, my God. Um, oh, this is killing me. We have Jan Black. Oh my God! I can't believe I forgot his name. But Jan is exactly who was taking down Alex Pereira, and I don't think the fight's gonna go the same way. I do think that um, Jerry's gonna be more of a striker going in for the kill, with just like Alex Pereira will be. And I think that you know anybody can see Israel Adesanya, who's a great striker for sure, but is much weaker than a striker like Jerry have the ability to knock him out if he can do it somebody else can do it i just worry that the technicality of alex's striking out town is going to be um too much for jiri and is going to get him knocked out i think i've seen jiri get hit too much it's been a long layoff since he was here and i i really worry that this is going to be something that gets him fucked up gets him knocked the fuck out kind of like israel in that first fight um but yeah, it's been a very interesting lead up to these fights, and finally they're coming. Next few months is going to be great for fights. You got UFC um, 294 and 295. So let's get ready after that. You got 296 with uh, Edwards and Covington, Pantosha and Roy Val, a couple belts fights, and then uh, Belt Eliminator with Rachmanov and Thompson. Ferguson Pimblet, Vince Lukey versus uh, Ian Gary in a kind of Z, like, is Ian Gary legit matchup? Casey O'Neill fighting Ariana Lipsky. So, this rest of the year's cards are going to be awesome. Hopefully, we see Leon Edwards get the dub over Colby Covington. But, awesome. We'll definitely be making bets for the UFC. Um, I'll put them out there on US on Twitter and um, let me know. Hit me up if you want to hear about them, you know, or have any questions or have any comments. Um, thank you so much. Please leave a like, uh, share the podcast, share the video, share anything, however you listen to it. Comment, um, interact with the poll on Spotify that I usually put out. Uh, and, you know, just do whatever you can. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and I hope you guys liked it. This is Jacob. At night.